Good morning, this is Jim Keeney, an attorney here with Sandberg Phoenix with the Labor and Employment Group. Joining me for today's podcast episode is Philip Graham, a shareholder here at the firm who is also a member of our Labor and Employment team. Hey, Phil. Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me on. Good to have you. So for today's episode, Phil and I are going to briefly recap some of the big developments over the last year and then comment on what we may see in the coming year. So let's get right into it. We'll start with vaccine mandates. This has been a huge hot button issue during the latter half of 2021. As many of you know, over the last three to four months, several federal agencies, including the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, OSHA, and the Federal Acquisition Regulatory Council have published rules and regulations on vaccine mandates pursuant to the direction of President Biden. And during this time, President Biden has also issued an executive order requiring federal employees themselves to be vaccinated. All these rules have either required vaccination or have required some form of choice between vaccination or weekly COVID-19 testing and masking. But as we've been de detailing in many blog posts, these newly announced rules have not been without controversy. As of the time of this podcast, both the OSHA vaccine mandate and the CMS healthcare vaccine mandate are being considered on appeal by the United States Supreme Court. Oral argument will occur on these matters on January 7th, 2022, so that will likely provide a preview into how the Supreme Court will handle these issues going into the next year. We also expect the federal contractor vaccine mandate to make it up to the Supreme Court very soon as well. That is currently pending before the 11th Circuit, and that circuit has not ruled on it, but it has declined the government's request to allow enforcement of the mandate while the appeal is pending. The court hasn't really given a clear indication of how it, it will rule, so we'll have to keep an eye out to see what happens there. The next big picture development over the last year that we want to note has been some of the changes in new policy statements coming from and occurring at the federal agency level. As expected, there have been some notable changes in these agencies since President Biden took office. Over the summer, Secretary of Labor Marty Walsh requested additional staff and funding to help boost the Department of Labor's monitoring and enforcement efforts. The Department of Labor oversees many different aspects of the workplace and many different agencies. And these issues and aspects include wage and hour matters, workplace safety matters and inspections, as well as federal contractor compliance. Over the summer, Secretary Walsh noted that the DOL had lost 14% of its staff over the last four years, and it stressed the lack of resources necessary to handle an increase in cases and complaints being received by the department. So in that regard, the DOL issued a budget for 2022, which included the following requests, an additional $30 million to the wage and hour division, as well as an addition of 175 employees, an additional $35 million to the Federal Contractor Compliance Agency in the addition of 188 employees there, and then about an additional $60 million to OSHA and around 350 additional employees there. Along with these proposed budget requests for additional funding and staff, agency leaders like the DOL solicitor have announced their intent to ramp up enforcement efforts, especially to deal with what they have described as an alarming increase in retaliation complaints. Finally, 2021 also saw a few notable wage and hour developments. At the end of November, the DOL announced a final rule raising the minimum wage for federal contractor employees under new contracts after January 30th, 2022. 
We detailed the specifics of this new rule in a blog article on November 24, 2021 on our labor employment blog. So please go check that out. In other news, back in January 2021, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals became the first federal appellate court to reject outright what has been commonly characterized as a lenient approach to conditionally certifying collective actions under the Fair Labor Standards Act. The traditional approach was this two-step approach, which again, many people characterize as lenient. And the Fair Labor Standards Act is the federal law, as many of you know, that governs the payment of minimum wage and overtime. The Fifth Circuit characterized this common approach as not only being unpredictable, but also as exerting formidable pressure on defendants to settle claims early in order to prevent these cases from growing fast at their outset in terms of the number of plaintiffs before there is any rigorous or meaningful consideration of whether those claims have any merit. It remains to be seen whether the, any circuit courts will follow, uh, circuit courts of appeal will follow the Fifth Circuit and cases have not been clear to this date on that point. I have not come across any other court of appeals that has accepted it, but this approach to collective actions, if it is followed, is markedly different and clearly more stringent. So we'll have to keep an eye out into the next year as to whether that will change. So with all this said, I will turn it over to Phil to tell us what he generally sees for 2022. Thanks again, Jim, for having me on. <clears throat> I just want to kind of comment briefly on a couple of things you talked about before I go into what I kind of see as being 2022 developments and thoughts that we ought to consider. But I think one of the really significant things that's going to come out of um, 2021, and particularly as we maybe kind of come out of COVID uh, this year, uh, is going to be that uh, policy change and the budget increase at the Department of Labor. Um, I think we're gonna, I think we're likely to see. Um, significant increase in enforcement efforts uh, coming from the administration this year, which is going to have a significant effect on employers, particularly if there's an emphasis on uh, retaliation claims. So that's something to be aware of as an employer going into this next year. But I wanted to talk uh, about five cases um, that are up front of the Supreme Court, uh, the United States Supreme Court the, this coming year. I have a little overlap with Jim here talking about the vaccine mandates. Um, as, as Jim already mentioned, of course, uh, those uh, cases uh, involve uh, federal uh, contractor vaccine mandates and healthcare employers, and also the large business uh, vaccine mandate uh, involving uh, companies with 100 or more employees. Um, now, workers and some Republican-led states have filed a series of lawsuits challenging uh, those vaccine mandates, as well as some from state and local uh, entities. And the Supreme Court is slated to hear uh, oral argument on January 7 in three of those cases. Um, the court's going to hear challenges to the federal rules for the healthcare industry and larger businesses with rulings likely to follow in short order, according to the court. So any decision here uh, by the, uh, the justices is going to directly impact you know, tens of millions of U.S. workers who object to the vaccine or who require uh, religious or medical exemptions while also setting some key precedents on the limits of executive power uh, with regard to pandemic. So it's, it's hard to really overemphasize how uh, significant um, both the mandates are themselves and then what the court's going to decide on those. It's going to be truly uh, some landmark uh, decisions there. Um, also want to mention something that... Uh, you know, not directly impacts on our Missouri and Illinois employers or not all of them, but the California arbitration carve out case 
Um, the court will likely rule by summer on whether workers in California can circumvent arbitration by filing lawsuits for wage violations on behalf of the state. And this is uh, using uh, uh, the California Private Attorney General Act, which is somewhat unique and allows uh, plaintiffs to step into the state's shoes and keep 25% of any money that they win in those lawsuits. So the court on December 15th agreed to decide whether workers who sign arbitration agreements can still bring California Private Attorney General Act claims in court, as the California Supreme Court ruled in 2014. There are thousands of these cases that have been filed in recent years in California, some yielding in multi-million dollar judgments and settlements. And a ruling from the Supreme Court uh, that the claims can be arbitrated uh, would likely significantly curb those types of employment litigation claims in California. And although we don't really have similar private attorney general acts in Missouri, Illinois, that we directly deal with, it will be interesting to see what other changes the court's decision in this case could bring, because it's easy to imagine uh, uh, inventive or creative plaintiff's counsel uh, using this ruling in other contexts. Um, another significant case up in front of the court uh, is one dealing with retirement plan fees. This was a case involving Northwestern University in which the court is poised to rule next year on whether employment retirement plans can avoid costly litigation and claims over administrative fees simply by offering workers lower cost investment options. In this case, Northwestern University has urged the Supreme Court to rule that offering investments with relatively high record keeping fees alone does not violate federal law governing employee benefits. So if Northwestern wins this case, it would mean employers can defeat similar lawsuits earlier on and cut down on legal costs. Uh, this could really stem a tide of excessive fee lawsuits that have been filed in these cases in, in, in recent or in these situations in recent years. Another very significant case up in front of the court, which could really change the landscape of employment law in the United States, is the agency deference case. Uh, there's been a long-standing principle arising from the Chevron case in 1984 that the courts must defer to federal agencies' reasonable interpretations of ambiguous laws. This could be soon overruled which would directly impact challenges to labor and employment policies. The Supreme Court is considering a challenge to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services rule that cut drug reimbursements to hospitals. At oral arguments in November, Justices Alito and Gorsuch suggested that the case could serve as a vehicle to upend the Chevron deference rule named for the 1984 case. If the, course takes that, if the court takes that step, it could make it easier for businesses and trade groups to challenge future guidance and rules from the U.S. Department of Labor and other agencies that enforce employment laws. So watch out for that one. That one's going to be significant. Uh, another really what I thought was an interesting case that's up in front of the court is one involving the airlines. And in this case, the Supreme Court may soon decide whether airlines must comply with wage laws in states where their flight attendants are based even though they spend most of their working hours in the air. In this case, Virgin America has asked the court to review the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals decision, which held California wage law covers the airline's flight attendants based in that state. A three-judge panel there said federal regulations covering airlines did not preempt state law that apply to workers generally and have only an indirect effect on the prices and services that airlines offer. The justices in November asked the U.S. General Solicitor to weigh in on the issue, which signals that the court is likely to take up the case. And although this case directly affects airlines, it is easy to see 
in my view at least, how a decision affirming the Ninth Circuit decision could impact other similar workforces who are based in one state but spend their time working in another. Um, so that's kind of some updates on what I kind of see coming out of the Supreme Court that's going to be you know, going to be really significant this year. Also, want to touch a little bit on uh, Illinois. Um, Illinois was very busy last year. The legislature was passing um, some significant uh, bills, um, some of which are going to be effective on January 1st of 2022. And just want to mention a few of those here for our, our employer clients and friends out there who deal with Illinois employment law. Uh, the first was Illinois House Bill 117, which amends the Illinois Secure Choice Savings Program Act to apply to employers with at least five employees rather than 25 or more. Uh, and this includes automatic increases to contributions to benefit plans such as 401k or retirement pension funds. So this is a significant development applying that to much smaller employers than it had before. Uh, Illinois House Bill 1207, um, of course, uh, forbids employers now from asking about salary history. Uh, employers remain prohibited from seeking an applicant's salary history, but may provide information about compensation for the position applied to. The employer might also inquire from an applicant his or her salary and benefit expectations for the position during the application process. So this really, again, sort of fundamentally alters the relationship between employers and applicants. Illinois House Bill 1838, uh, which deals with disability discrimination, provides that discrimination based on disability will include discrimination against an individual because of that person's association with a person with disability. So again, it significantly broadens uh, that category of discrimination. Illinois House Bill 53, dealing with artificial intelligence and robotics, uh, provides that employers who use AI to determine whether an applicant will qualify for an in-person interview, you know, such as reviewing resumes and applications, must gather and report data about the race and ethnicity of applicants who are and are not extended an opportunity for a face-to-face -face interview, as well as race and ethnicity data for applicants who are hired. So that's a significant development for, for those that are using AI to help screen their applicant pool. Illinois Senate Bill 1730 EEO reporting. Uh, this requires public corporations to report the self-identified sexual orientation and self-identified gender identity of their directors. Um, and finally, then, you know, what was another really significant development in Illinois was Illinois Senate Bill 672, which deals with uh, non-compete agreements. This uh, bill amends the Illinois Freedom to Work Act setting forth standards for the enforceability of non-compete agreements against employees. Uh, a big thrust of this is that employers cannot enter into non-compete agreements with employees who earn or are estimated or projected to earn $75,000 or less on an annualized basis. So those are some of the big uh, uh, uptakes of shots from Illinois that are gonna be coming into effect in 2022. So uh, watch out for those as well. Thanks, Bill. Thank you, Jim. And that's it for today's podcast. As always, keep checking back here for more updates. Thanks for listening.